We're so thankful to see so many of you gathered today and this special day that we remember the triumphant resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, conquering the death grave and giving hope to each one of us. So we're so thankful that each one of you can be here with us. Before we turn to God's living word and uh, this, the triumphal message it proclaims, we want to give an opportunity. If there's any uh, announcements, any greetings that you have for the church, now would be the time. Yeah, you know what? Just, Paul, that's important. So can we get a microphone to Brother Paul? Right there. Yeah, can we turn that microphone on, please? Brothers and sisters, um, some of you may know uh, my father and mother uh, they're both not well to begin with. My mother is in the hospital. She has edema in the, um, the lungs. Uh, she's okay right now. She's still in the hospital. However, uh, not often, but she coughs up blood. Um, they're holding there until she gets better. But one of the reasons why I am making this announcement is that I am pleading with all brothers and sisters, could you please hold my mother and father in prayer that they, they would accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior? It's one thing that we're all going to die, and that's true. We're all going to die, whether we like it or not. But to walk away from this world without the hand of Jesus is not the way to go. And we all know the results in that. So please, I plead with you, brothers and sisters, please keep my mother and father in prayer till they accept the Lord Jesus. I know it's a lot to ask, but it's, it's a matter of life and death. And likewise, I will hold many of the brothers and sisters in prayer as I do usually. And also, I will uphold those who are not converted. I may not know your siblings, mothers and fathers, friends, family, distant cousins, and so forth. I may not know them by name, but I do uphold them in prayer in my closet. So please, I, I plead with you. Thank you. But Paul, so let's, uh, as a church, uh, especially remember, um, what were their names again, Paul? Uh, just so uh, as we're praying. Teresa. That's Gala in our prayer. So, and Teresa is now hanging between life and death in the hospital, and their salvation is paramount. Any other announcements or greetings for the church? Sister Agnes's sister is also in the hospital, but it was a was it a year ago that she was also life and death, and we're so thankful the Lord gave her grace and that she turned to the Lord and she's been baptized recently, and we praise God for that that she can face eternity with assurance. We'll keep, keep we'll keep her in prayer as well. And you,
Um, as far as announcements are concerned, um, I don't know if we have anything special. So it's gone up for April. So uh, with a special focus for our collections is our sister church in Ghana, Africa. Um, we have some missions there and uh, some trying to help them help themselves in a, a farming community as well. They're also facing COVID, but without the financial resources. So remember them. Um, in, in this coming Wednesday, I think we're going to be continuing our, our study through the book of Revelations, Revelation, and uh, we are now on chapter 13 and 14. So this is very central and often what you hear about uh, in many of the uh, indications we see about one world government. This is where those things are spelt out in, in uh God's prophecy. So it should be an interesting study this coming Wednesday in Revelation 13 and 14. It will be online as usual. And I don't believe we have any other announcements. So let's turn to the Lord in prayer. Hallelujah. We re rejoice with the very angels in heaven, Lord, at the victory that was won. Lord, the angels that marveled, that couldn't understand why your followers continue to weep when the victory was won. Lord, we pray this morning that the veil would be ripped in front of our own eyes and that we could see beyond our current struggles and concerns to the victory that has already been won. Lord, encourage our hearts with the hope that you've come at such a high price to give us. Lord, we want to especially remember the mother and father of Paul Scala for Teresa, who is right now in the hospital Lord, and this hasn't been given a lot of hope for her physical life, but we know that because of what Jesus has done, there's hope for her spiritual life. We pray that she would lay hold on that salvation while she has this opportunity, that she could understand what you've done for her and that she could trust in that and give, and give her heart to you that you would be able to wash her free and clean and that she would be ready with full assurance for eternity that you could say, even so, come, Lord Jesus. Lord, we pray for John. Lord, you know how he has, he has struggled and he has wanted to be in control all these years, but there are things we cannot be in control of. We cannot control our, our life and death and we cannot control our destiny. We need to trust in you for that. We pray that he could humble himself and see his need and that he could turn to you while there's time. Lord, we pray this in the precious name of our risen Lord and Savior. Amen. Let's turn together to uh, Gospel of Luke. 
We have four accounts of, of Christ's resurrection, triumphal accounts, but uh, this morning let's read from this and we may reference the others as well. So the final chapter of the Gospel of Luke, which is the 24th chapter. Now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came unto the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared and certain others with them. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher. And they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. And it came to pass, as they were much perplexed thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they that the two men in shining garments said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. And returned from the sepulcher and told all these things unto the eleven and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women that were with them, which told these things unto the apostles. And their words seemed to them as idle tales, and they believed them not. Then arose Peter and ran unto the sepulcher, and stooping down, he beheld the linen clothes laid by themselves and departed, wondering in himself at that which was come to pass. And behold, two of them went the same day to a village called Emmaus, which is from Jerusalem about threescore or sixty furlongs. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holden that they should not know him. And he said unto them, what manner of communications are these that ye have one to another as ye walk and are sad? And one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answering, said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem, and hast not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? And he said unto him, What things? And they said unto him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. And, but we trusted it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulcher. And when they found not his body, they came, saying they had also seen a vision of angels which said that he was alive. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulchre and found it even so as the woman had said, but him they saw not. And he said unto them, O fools, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them all the scriptures, the things in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. And they drew nigh unto the village whither they went, and he made as though he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. 
and he went in to tarry with them. And it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it and brake and gave to them. And their eyes were opened, and they knew him, but, and he vanished out of their sight. And they said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way, while he opened to us the scripture? And they rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven gathered together and them that were with him, saying, The Lord is risen indeed and hath appeared to Simon. And they told what things were done in the way and how he was known of them in breaking of bread. And as they thus spake, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. But they were terrified and affrighted and supposed that they had seen a spirit. And he said to them, Why are ye troubled? And why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that is, I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones as ye see me have. And when he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they believed not for joy and wondered, he said unto them, Have ye here any meat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish and of an honeycomb, and he took it and did eat before them. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of the Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. And he opened, then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures and said unto them thus it is written and thus it behooved christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at jerusalem and ye are witnesses of these things and behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tear ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. And he led them out as far as to Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came to pass, while he blessed them, he was, depart he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And we're continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Amen. Dramatic irony is when you, the audience, you know what's going to happen or what has happened, but the people in the story haven't figured it out yet. And as we look here at the story, we know Jesus is risen, but the women, they don't know. The disciples, they don't know. And, and we look at them and we say, you know, why can't you figure it out yet? As, as they're mourning, as they're afraid, as they're, they're, they're um, hiding in John we read how they're hiding behind locked doors for fear of the Jews they feel defeated they feel that their hopes their dreams we read here the the two that are walking to Emmaus they they're saying you know we thought he was going to be the one we thought he was going to be the one that was going to redeem Israel and, and he died but 
you know, and, and it's not like they don't have the information, right? They, they have Jesus' words that he clearly told them he was going to raise from the dead three days after he died. And now they have the fresh testimony of the women who are at the grave who saw angels uh, telling them that, you know, he's risen. Why seek ye the living among the dead? And yet they're still sad as Jesus came up upon them. They're still confused. They're still uncertain. They're still feeling betrayed, uh, abandoned. And Jesus is walking right beside them. And they're feeling that way. That's you and I reading the story. But how do you think the angelic world who looks down on us in our everyday life, do they not have that same sense of dramatic irony? When they see us who are afraid, who are overwhelmed, who feel that God is far away, that God doesn't care, that he's not interested in your personal problems. And, and, and you see in these angels how, how they're, they're, you know, in, in each of the accounts where the angels are, are interacting with the women, it's like, you know, don't you get it? There's a sense of like, why are you weeping? is what they are saying to John and in John, John's account of Mary Magdalene, why are you weeping? Why are you still afraid? The victory is won. Why are you hanging your head? And as Mary is, is at the door and she loved the Lord and, and, and she's just so devoted, she's gonna take that body and just, you know, soak it in ointment and do what she can to express her devotion. But, you know, she can't even express her thanksgiving to the man who delivered her from seven demons and from a horrible life and set her free. And, and she can't even mourn for him. She feels even that's been taken and she's weeping at the door and, and, and Jesus is standing there. Do you see the irony? Jesus is standing there and he says, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? And she doesn't recognize him. I don't know, she wasn't looking. And she says, if he thinks he's the gardener and give me the, you know, tell me where he is. I'm going to take the body. You know, she, she's not going to let her physical strength or anything. She's so, and then Jesus says, her name. He says her name, Mary. And the light dawns. The eyes are open and, and shock and, and, and wonder and awe. And she understands. She hasn't been abandoned. She hasn't been for the one who was, the, who gave her hope and life and, and, and new life hasn't left her behind to grieve alone. He's standing there. 
and her grief turns to joy in an instant as she hears Jesus say her name. I have the sense that the heavenly realm has that same tension, the same frustration with me as we see Jesus saying to them, Oh fools, he says, Oh fools and slow of heart to believe all the things, all that the prophets have spoken. Do you hear the frustration in Jesus' tone? I've come from heaven. I've lived, I have walked and ate and taught you, lived 24 hours a day with you. I told you this is going to happen. The, the prophecies are coming true here in front of your eyes. You, you have eyewitness testimony. You have angels appearing to you and saying, he is not dead, he is risen. You have all this witness, but why won't you believe? This is good news. Why do you insist on being defeated and sad when the victory is won? I have gone to the cross. I have gone through the horrors of hell. I have carried your sins upon me. I've suffered, abandoned from God, and I have now risen from the grave victorious, and I'm standing with you. And yet you won't believe. I'm pretty sure that's how he feels about me and you. When we walk through life as if we are abandoned, as if we are alone, as if no one cares and we carry this weight alone, as if there is no power to overcome the shackles of sin and temptation and the things that entangle us as we continue to walk as if we are tied. I know I've told the story before, but it just illustrated so well that the, there's a man who, who, who uh, was at the marketplace, I think it was in India or something like that, and he saw that there were some, some hens that were were tied, uh, they, they had one leg, leg tied to a stake. That's how he, he, he didn't have a cage, so he just had one stake in the ground, and he had a string that he tied to, to the one leg so the, the birds could only walk in a circle around that stake because they, they were tied to it, and he felt sorry for them. He saw the captivity, the, the, the emptiness of their life. He said, you know what, I'm just gonna buy these birds, I'm gonna set them free, and he paid the money, and he, he took it and he cut the string and he set them free and he said, go. And at first the birds are confused. They don't know what's going on. And, and then he, you know, frustrates. He shoes them, go, go. And he chases them to get them to fly and go up in the air. And they, they fly up in the air and they cross the road and they land in the meadow there. And they go back to walking in that circle. There's no string. There's no stake. It's in their minds that they continue 
to act as if the chain is there, the, 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 the string, the, the restraints are there when, when they have been broken. And I think that's how God sees us. He has broken the power of sin and hell. He has broken the condemnation he's taken on himself. Because isn't it the shame? Isn't it the fear of being found out that it causes us to withdraw and to isolate from each other and to, to hide even as Adam and Eve did in the very garden and hide behind fig leaves that we know won't do the trick. And so we feel the sense of unworthiness, of filth, and Jesus is saying, but I have taken that on myself. I have just, as with Adam, that, that, that lamb was, was killed and those skins draped their nakedness and covered them properly. He has been the lamb that to cover us, to cover our nakedness, to cover our shame. He is risen. That has happened. But whether you and I live like he is risen, that is our choice today. We see for the disciples, it wasn't instantaneous. There was a time where they continued to believe lies and continued to live in fear. But we see how it ends with joy and purpose. As Jesus promised and said that this, this is thus it is written, this has been the plan the whole time, it's spelled out in the Bible, and that Christ should suffer and rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. That's true of us. We are a privileged people. The disciples were privileged. They were the ones who were living with him in the dust of the rabbi those years. And you and I, we know the words. We've heard the truth. We have experienced God's goodness. We have seen him work at others. Tremendous miracles of deliverance. We need to repent for our own remission of sins and also proclaim this to a world that needs to hear, but it's not something we can do on our own. It says, behold, I send the promise of my Father, as John spells out, the Holy Spirit, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. Jesus was then returning, but he was not leaving us alone. Jesus could only be in one place, but the Holy Spirit can be in your heart all the time. And this was going to enable his body to not be 12, but the entire planet, everyone who believes, has access to the very presence of God. That, that as we read the, heard this morning, that separation between God and man was ripped as he died. And now the spirit can live in us as it's cleansed. And they continued we're continually in the temple praising and blessing God. I'm glad we can be in our house of worship this morning that we can sing, though with masks, 
and those separated at, you know, social distance and so on. Yet we can, but, but nothing can restrain our joy. And we need to be careful in the current circumstances that we do not allow fear to be the dominant emotion. Hear me. In this current crisis, there is a natural temptation to be afraid. There are maybe some who are afraid of a d the disease, afraid of being unable to breathe, afraid of those that they love being torn from them, afraid of being alone in a hospital with no one, your loved one's not even able to be there with you. And that is not, that's a horrible thing. I do not diminish that. But here, we see that Jesus has conquered death. He's taken the sting of death away. That death no longer can terrify us like it did before. It may be the cold wave of Jordan that we go through, but on the other side, there is the promised land. There is the presence of God we enter into, and we are no longer passing into oblivion and condemnation and darkness and facing judgment, righteous judgment for the things that we have done wrong. We are now rather passing into the presence of God, leaving behind bodies that are imperfect and failing and corruptible and returning to the dust and rising as spirits. Jesus has taken the sting, the sin, the shame has been nailed to the cross and death itself has been conquered and he has demonstrated and we don't have to be afraid of death. We should not live our lives in fear. That was the very first thing before Jesus was even born that John's uh, father, John the Baptist, at Luke 1, records the miraculous way that the, the prophet that prepared the way came in the world. And as he was born and named, the Holy Spirit filled his father, Zacharias, and he prophesied about Jesus, right? About the child, shall we call prophet of the highest? And it says that... Um, he would grant us, would be delivered out of the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear. Jesus is constantly coming. And the angels, fear not, fear not, fear not. The power, Satan's power over us has been broken. Death has been defeated. Sin has been washed away by his precious blood. There is victory. We do not need to be afraid. And the other side, there are those who are afraid, not so much of the disease, but of the coming persecution and governmental interference and, and uh, how this is all playing into the hands of, of, of uh, 
perhaps a, a Revelations 13 scenario where our liberties are stripped away, where we are prevented from doing many things. But even then, we do not need to be afraid. We may have our eyes open. We may be aware. But we do not need to be afraid because we know that how the book ends. It doesn't end in Revelations chapter 13. Right? It ends rather in 21 and 22 in the presence of God with all, with the earth, a new heaven and a new earth without any corruption, with us in new bodies. And so whatever Satan may do, if he, and he is the prince of the air, and yes, his strategies may appear to be working, but we know in Revelations 12, we just finished it, that he knows he has a little time because he's limited. He is not almighty. We are not powerless. It is because we believe in our already conquered Lord who is coming that we do not need to be afraid of what this world can do. They can affect our bodies. But that is it's like grabbing a lizard by the tail and you think you've got that tail but that tail then falls off in your hand and that lizard goes free and he can grow another one. Your bodies, the government might have ability to control your body, but your body is temporary. Your spirit is free. Your spirit has now, as united with Christ, it is free forever. And we do not need to be afraid of what men can do to us because they cannot touch the part of us that endures for eternity. As we read together and we see these disciples and we see the fear, the uncertainty, the wondering, and we look at them and say, don't you get it? Think of yourself. Think of yourself. Do you believe all, all that this word has to offer you. Do you believe the promises of God? Do you believe in the presence of God? Your burdens and your grief can be turned to joy this moment, this day, this day as we remember the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. The sun can arise in your hearts to bring light, to scatter the darkness, to scatter the despair. We simply need to believe the truth of what has already been accomplished on our behalf. The victory that he has already won. May the Lord bless his word. By one who wants to, to, to know you and to communion with you in, in a complete and intimate way and, and you pull back like Adam rather than Mary. Those are your choices. Adam and Eve or Mary. Yes, Adam is right that there are things to be ashamed of. 
but the fig leaves didn't help. Please, my dear friend, come at the hearing of that voice that you're hearing even this morning and say, Rabboni, my master, I will no longer hide. I will no longer pretend. I will no longer cover with the fig leaves of my accomplishments and my excuses the sin that you have paid for. I plead with you. Allow his victory to be yours also. You will never have such a tender call and a tender love of one who knows and loves you. Do not refuse him, I beg you. Let us all celebrate that victory, not as a past, but as a present reality in our hearts. With that, we would conclude this morning's service.